When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sasquatch Chronicles, how how come you know do so-called Dogman Chronicles? Me very mad. Send Alpo or, or Purina. This this Dogman speaking. <laughs> Welcome to Strange Familiars. If you've seen something paranormal and you want to share your story with us, you can email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. Well, tonight's show, despite the opening, it's not going to be about Dogman. Oh. <laughs> People might be wondering what that's about. Isn't that in reference to something that Wes... Yes. Wes had a little something at the beginning of his show last week. I'm going to go ahead and play that now so people <laughs> can kind of get the context. I hear Timothy Renner from Strange Familiars Podcast is looking for where my footprints went. Tell him a little town call. None of your damn business. This is Bigfoot, and you are listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. So Bigfoot called me out on Wes's show, Mm -hmm. and sure enough, Dogman left a message for Wes on my show. I'd like to say also that Dogman was played by neither you nor I. <laughs> no, no. If you want to know who played Dogman, we'll reveal it at the end of the show. You might be able to give a good guess. Somebody who's good with voices and has done voices on various interviews in the past. Got a fun thing coming out. It should be in the Etsy shop, I think, over the weekend. I did keychains. This was a green Bigfoot on it. I made 100 of them and 100 only. I might do different colors at some point, but the green Bigfoot, I'm only doing 100. So if you want one, jump on that quick. I'll put them up in the Etsy shop as soon as we have them. They're due here any day. It's kind of a cartoony Bigfoot, but I collect green Bigfoots, and I wanted to do a green Bigfoot. So it's just a fun little thing. Not as expensive as a t-shirt and stuff. I figure people (laughs) might be into that. We'll go ahead and put that up in the Etsy shop. I'll put a link up at strangefamiliars.com too as soon as they're available. On tonight's show... I'm going to be talking with Chris from Scotland. Not Scotland, Pennsylvania. No, no. I think that'll become readily apparent pretty soon. (laughs) Scotland proper. 
I've never been to Scotland, Pennsylvania. You know, it's right over there by Michelle. I see the sign like every time I'm over there and I was like, I really want to go to Scotland, Pennsylvania. There's a movie called Scotland, PA. If you're not familiar, it's kind of a remake of Macbeth, you know, in a 1970s. Drive through. Yeah. With yeah. Bad Company as the soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds like something we just made up, but no, it's, no, it's, it's really real from movie. the 90s. It was real. <laughs> I always want to go to Scotland, PA, because I've never been there. And I actually, the movie's kind of funny. And I, I tend to like Macbeth. So I like and the person's Macbeth. Pennsylvania's just littered with stolen European names, you know. <laughs> Hanover, York, Lancaster, Carlisle. They're all just stolen European names. And I'm sure Scotland, PA got that name because, like, one family from Scotland happened to live there amongst all the Germans. And they're like, well, <laughs> yeah, well now so it's Scotland. We, <laughs> we can either move or just claim it's yours. <laughs> So we're going to be talking with Chris from Scotland. He's got family encounters. He's got stuff that happened in a couple of different houses. He's got UFO sightings. He's got sleep paralysis. He's got a weird light that he saw when he was jogging that he describes a lot like we described the lights at Site 7. And then he talks about this Silverman encounter in Scotland, which this, this family saw this weird entity. It kind of connects to one of his own experiences there as well. Chris does the Scottish Paranormal podcast which you can look up, but I will put links in the show notes so you can click and you can find his podcast. So it's just a long interview this week, one long one. Chris and I talk for a good long while. But before we get to Chris, I want to talk about our sponsors, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy. I don't know if they could help Dogman, who is <laughs> requesting Alpel and Purina at the beginning of the show, but they can help you. If you have a puppy and you're having issues, no matter what the issues are, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Whether it's mouthing and biting, potty training, fear and nervousness, barking, chewing on furniture or shoes or other things they shouldn't be chewing on, crate training, hyperactivity issues, leash training, and more, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can teach you what to do and also what not to do. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. With a relationship-based approach to training, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you and your puppy become perfect for each other. Sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. And now, we'll go to my interview with Chris. Tonight we're talking with Chris from Scotland, who has a number of stories to share with us. Can you start out and tell us what part of, of Scotland are you in there, Chris? So I, I stay in um, the central belt of Scotland. So if you can imagine Scotland, then you get the central belt. It runs in the middle of Scotland. You've got um, Glasgow one end and Edinburgh the other end. I'm pretty much straight in the middle of that um, in the central belt. So within that area, um, you have the, the two main cities um, at either side. And in between, you've got um, a lot of kind of smaller towns with quite a lot of greenery in between them um, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm pretty much slap bang in the middle. So some of these stories are your own and some come from your family. Do they all kind of take place in the same area? Yeah, yeah, totally. And there is a few other kind of stories off the area as well, which I'll, I'll just relay and tell you as, as we go. Mm -hmm. um, these are pretty much just stories that's happened within the family or just stuff in the runabout area as well. You know what I mean? So Awesome. Um, well, you know, however you want to start, if you want to go chronologically or if you want to start with your own experiences and go from there, I'll go ahead and, and I'll ask questions as we go. All right. Okay, cool. Um, so 
I was, I never even, as I was speaking to you earlier, I mean, it was when you started, when I started looking back at some of the the things in the area, and I was looking at some of the stories in the area, then I started thinking back to some of the stuff that, that happened within the family, and I always kind of thought that lots of people's families have always got the odd wee story, maybe a, a campfire story, a ghost story, or a few things that happened through their lifetime. So I started looking back at my own. I knew friends and that, they've always got the old UFO story, they've got the ghost story, stuff like that. So I started writing stuff down chronologically. And then lots of other kind of stuff came out. And like I maybe phoned some members of my family, asked them, and then another, another wee story would pop up. So I kind of just, I jotted them down. I thought, oh, there's quite a lot in there. And I mean, to, well, kind of what I thought anyway. So one of the kind of first things that started, and it's a thing that I can't remember myself. I mean, but it used to be, um, I can remember them talking about it years and years ago. Um, when I was a young boy, I used to see somebody when I was probably below five years old. And um used to see was a tall man with dark glasses and it used to totally like freak my mum my out, my mother out. So it'd be a case of, I would see it in my room and I, would, and I would see it during the day and stuff like that. Like, I wouldn't say it was an imaginary friend. I would describe somebody being there and it used to it totally spooked them out. I mean, so David, there was something definitely there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where things started for me. You know I mean, I can't remember that personally because I was too young at the time. But, but from there, I don't know. I think my mother at the time perceived it to be my grandfather or something like that. But I don't know what this, the, the detailed description was. But it used to be like a tall man, a tall man in a suit with, with dark glasses. So from there, um, we kind of moved houses. And we stayed in a house in a small town called Armadale, which is in the central belt. And um, in the house, normal kind of, I don't know, kind of, normal kind of street, normal kind of house, semi-detached house. And there used to be just a lot of strange going-ons in, in the house when we stayed there. I was um, one of four siblings. I had three sisters, three older sisters in the house. My dad at the time was a long-distance lorry driver, so he was away most weeks. So during the weeks, there used to be just stuff going on in the house. You know what I mean? It was, I know you always, you hear these stories about the adolescents in the house, you always get some kind of mm-hmm. activity going on and stuff like that. But we constantly had kind of just the weird things going on in the house. Like, for example, we used to think we had a prowler, like, like somebody like, creeping about the house. And you're talking about an area where there was lots of other houses. Um, if you can imagine, like, there's a, a, a big kind of oval shape area with houses and then in the middle all the kind of gardens are spaced out in the, in the middle our back garden had fences and, and stuff like that but to the point where um, you'd maybe hear like the door handle turning and, and stuff like that and it got to the point where you would open the door and there'd be nobody there <clears throat> and it happened quite a lot where you'd actually you could even see the handle turning and somebody would run the door open the door eventually when they popped enough courage up there'd be nothing there. And it, and it came to the point quite a few times where the police were called. Oh, wow. And, and the police came up and stuff like that. Or my mother said she would, she was going to like, let the dog out and stuff and the police said, don't bother because if you let the dog out and it bites somebody, then you could be up for charged or whatever. Right, right, <laughs> stuff yeah. Like that, but the police. But it, it came to the point where you got that brazen where you, you'd open the door and there'd be nothing there. So that was kind of the start of, just the aspect that you always kind of thought there was somebody there. Like creeping about, but you could never ever find anybody. So 
from that, there was other things that happened in the house as well. So that was just a pretty, a mundane thing that you can think like it's, it could have just been a prowler. It could have been like some weirdo outside or whatever, but you could never find anybody or see anybody. With a dog and cat in the house, and, and they used to always sometimes like follow something about in the room as if they could see something that we couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And they'd get their, their hackles up or the dog would kind of bark or whatever, but you could see the two of them, like their eye line would be following something that that nobody else could see. And there was no like fly there buzzing around or nothing like that. No, I mean, it was, it was definitely it was, it was something kind of odd there. So that's kind of like just a wee bit of that kind of story for there. I used to when I stayed in the house as well when I, when I was younger. Like I stayed in that house since it was like probably five, five up to about 12, 13. And it used to, I used to find it hard to sleep in it. I, I don't know, the house just gave me a, a kind of, you just get that feeling sometimes with a, with a place. And that house did it for me. I mean, it was like a, a great feeling. So I used to always kind of find it hard to sleep, try and sleep the light on and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I just had really, really had bad nightmares in the house and stuff like that. But apart from that, I, was, I just always find it trouble to sleep without the light on and stuff. So, so, so from there, I just gave an aspect to how I kind of felt about the place. There was one time where my sister came home from school and um, she was in herself. She was she was like 15 at the time or something, 14 or 15 at the time. And she was uh, there was nobody else in the house at the time. My mum was out working. And she was washing dishes and she felt like I had the radio on in the other room and she was like doing the dishes and stuff like that, kind of just singing away. And a hand clasped on her, her shoulder and she thought it was she thought it was my mum coming back from work. It actually just kind of clasped on her shoulder. She turned around, there was nobody there. And she she got like, she totally freaked out, got a fright of it, as, as you would, because there was nobody there. And she, she just sat outside for the rest of the day. Hmm. Oh, my mum came home. She explained my mum what happened and um, my mum explained to her that the same had happened to her on a few occasions oh, so wow. she somebody kind of grabbing her or, or touching her or, or stuff like that in the house but she wouldn't obviously relay this to the kids because like the kids would kind of get uh, spooked out and stuff like that you know what I mean you can imagine, as you can imagine my dad being away most weeks and stuff mm-hmm. uh, he used to come home on like a Friday and he would leave on like a Monday morning again uh, most weeks and he was working long distance lorry driving so that was kind of one thing. My mum, as well, when I spoke to my sister about this, when I was kind of going back to trying to relay some of the stories, because the main story from that house stuck in my head, which I'll get to in a minute. But there was a few other things that she told me in between that. You know I mean, and all these stories, I knew because I was living in it at the time, you know what I mean, with some things. But all these stories, I wholeheartedly believe 150% because the people in my, my family were jet up and just wouldn't, just wouldn't make stuff up like that at the time. So my sister said that one time my mother had, she, she screamed, she was in the, like, in the other room, she screamed and my sister went through to see what was wrong and, and, and what had transpired, she said there was a, a black, she said almost like a black entity or stroke, or a black mass, some type, had just appeared in front of her in the living room and then disappeared in the adjacent wall and there, you know what I mean? So just like some kind of black form disappeared it, it totally freaked her out as, as obviously as you would, you would think and I was talking to some one of my friends about the story and he said could you not remember one time as well we were in that in that room and you had a cabinet and the cabinet door swung open and as the cabinet door swung open something black and you moved away to the side 
And I could remember that. He said, no, I could vividly remember it. He said he'd seen something as well in, in the same house. Because it was really another story what happened um, to my mum and dad in the house. Which I get to. So there's one other story that my, my sister said it happened, which was, which was really, really odd. And she, she didn't even want to relay the story because it was quite, it was just, I don't know, it was an unbelievable kind of story, but it was part of your dream anyway. Um, she had one of her boys, I mean, she was a bit older, she was like 18 and before she'd left the house. Her boyfriend, one of her boyfriends just stayed over and he got up in the morning and, and she stayed in this kind of bottom room and he said that he had the, the total weirdest dream but it's really it was it was uh, it happened but he said it was like it was like some odd odd dream and she goes what was it she goes well she had like a walk-in closet and the walk-in closet was open and she said i woke up and i could see the walk-in closet open and it, and it looked like some horrible wee goblin type man and that's the only way I could describe it but you need to remember this he was relaying this as a dream so he said man standing in the closet and then he as that happened he transformed into like a, a large a larger kind of man there was like light behind him and then he he woke up or whatever he came to and he just said it was just like the oddest thing I swear it could ha- it happened though it was like a year after that or a few years after that my mum had a clairvoyant in the house and the room that she was in had been changed into a, like a dining room because it was downstairs and she had moved out and the, the clairvoyant had said basically said there's anything happened in this room and and she relayed the kind of story and she says well that wasn't a dream that actually happened and she went through some kind of explanation what it was at the time I can't remember the whole explanation I mean today we some energy or whatever else but we had like three ruin trees in the garden and she went through some explanation about the ribbon trees being something to ward off evil and um, they, they kind of cross through that room and stuff but it was just a, it was just quite an odd story to that but she didn't want to relay the story she just said it was it didn't state it was a dream and stuff like that but she, it was just it was really really an odd thing to come out of it the main story for that house which is which the one that stuck in my mind the most is um, I was about 12 years old my mum and dad at the time were going through a divorce. I had a divorce yet, but they were kind of splitting up. And um, so most nights when we came in, they were tend to be kind of bickering or, or arguing and stuff like that. Although there was some kind of tension in the house anyway. So I can't remember what my sisters were, if they were out. They were getting a bit older at that point, so they were, they were probably out or whatever else. And I'm sure it was about winter time or autumn time because it was dark outside and I was outside my friends or whatever played or whatever else so when I, I came into coming back in it was dark and when I, when I get in the house instead of them bickering or arguing or having some kind of tension there or whatever was going on at the time they were they were in the living room of the house and the two of them were like searching about the living room for something and at the time mum didn't tell me what had transpired at the time she, she basically kind of just ushered me off up to my room or whatever but she told me what happened so they were in the in the process of like a heated argument and in the living room they had the door closed, heated argument and the, the living room door burst open and there was like a black ball or or I'd say she said it was like a black ball or a black mass about knee height shot in the living room and it went round my dad's legs and then disappeared behind the settee behind the couch. Wow. And this thing the, the if you can imagine and explained that I could, my living room door 
it wasn't the type of door where you had a handle and you would like, like bend the handle and it pushed the door. It was like, if you can imagine, like, it's got one of these spring loaded balls with a hole. So when you push it, if you push the door hard enough, it would kind of like, it would push open. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't an easy door to push open. It had like, a thick carpet behind the back and stuff like that. So you would need to kind of push it. The dog was in the kitchen, the cat was outside. But the thing that stuck, struck me the most is my dad was a, he was a total skeptic about anything like this. So he'd usually come home after a lot of driving and stuff, and he'd probably hear stories of Prowler or, or stories of the, the cat and dog following something or all that, and he, he would just brush it off to a high active imagination of kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This thing, this thing he's seen, it was it pushed the door open, it went round his round his legs, and then disappeared. And all he all he kept saying was um, it didn't have a head. It didn't have a head. Basically, oh. so this thing was like it was just like a a black mass or a black ball that it came in, travelled round his legs, and then disappeared behind the couch. And although that story for me it stuck with me the most because. Um, just how tangible it was, and and because it actually did Sahan, and the fact that that he had seen it, yeah, being being a total skeptic. We, um, so when you heard the story, was it your mom who described it as a black ball, essentially? Yes, yes. Do you think that your father saw like a different shape because he's saying it didn't have a head? I don't know. Like, I, I think that the. The two of them probably spoke about it afterwards and, and stuff. And I mean, so I think they, they took it as just being a black mass. Mm-hmm. But it, they start off with when the door burst open, my mum said he turned around to, to say to the dog, oh, get out. You know what I mean, but uh, the dog was locked in the kitchen. They never, they never, like, they never noticed that obviously until they went looking for this thing. It, it basically pushed the door open, went around. He's like, but I don't know. Like, it, it was. You see, the thing is as well, I wish I could now when I'm looking at this, because at the time, when I got told the story at the time, and it, the, the story always stuck with me, mainly because my dad being a, a total sceptic. Right. He probably never told another soul about this. You know I mean? Because it, it really, really spooked him out. You know I mean, it, it freaked him out totally. And he was the type of person that wouldn't have probably talked about it to anybody else. And um, and the thing is, like, like my, mom's, my mom's dead now. My, my dad's dead now. So I kind of go back to try and find out more about the story. Right. But it's, it was one that totally stuck with me, just for the point of that and all the other things that was going on and about it. You know what I mean? To me, it's, I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Is it something that feeds a negative energy or something like that? I mean, that's that's the only kind of thing you could probably think of because if they're in the middle of a heated argument and then kind of something like that, you're just speculating what this thing could have been. Right, yeah. It was such an odd, it was just an odd place. I had a, the house had an odd feeling here. One thing I was talking recently with my friend, and I'm going to try and find out more about it. I, I had the, it was a semi detached house, and one of my best friends at the time stayed next door to me. So I'm, I'm still in touch with some friends that knows his brother and stuff like that. So I was going to try and ask if he ever had him, because in, in his house, mm-hmm. being a joint on mine. Um, and then now my other friend's friend stays in the house now you know the one I stayed in but stays in the one next door but it was always interesting that I mean just with, with, the, with the strange stuff that went on in it you know what I mean so but that one with the ball with the, the black mask thing you know what I mean and, and, or the ball type thing it's, it, it was just an odd story but it was like I wholeheartedly 150% believe that happened 
you know what I mean? Because he, um, I'm not saying any other stories didn't happen. I mean, you could easily put some of the stories there in the house, didn't you? Over, overactive imagination, kids. You know what I mean, because that's you could just surpass it as that. Right. But this one, he just couldn't. You know, what I mean, you really, really couldn't. Yeah, um, well, and I mean, there's a there's a consistency to these stories, which I you know shouldn't surprise me at this point, but. Mm-hmm. That sound like so many other stories I've I've heard from the states or or wherever else. It's it's very interesting how these things you know manifest similarly. Yeah, yeah, totally. And just, but the house is just the now. I don't know what it was. It's, it's maybe being that age. I'm not sure. The the house there never. You just I think you can just pick up on it and sense it more when you're younger. It's yeah, yeah. yeah there, I mean, several people have, have said that. So how many siblings did you have? Three older sisters. So one sister was five years older than me. The next one was about seven, eight, seven years older than me. And then the next one was 10 years older than me. So, yeah. So it was like, so from there, that was, that was um, just getting that house. No like crazy stories in it, you know what I mean? But that one with the, the black thing, you know what I mean? And, and that always stuck with me. I mean, yeah. that's probably made me more interested in stuff. I mean, I'd say predominantly it was made interested in UFOs as a, as a, in a point where I'd read books and stuff and that's as far as interest kind of went. But staying in this area, we stay in, there's, there's loads of strange stuff happens and it's happened throughout the years, you know what I mean, in this area. You've got like, I don't know if you've ever heard any, any of the reports from Scotland, you know what I mean, you've got the so-called Falk Triangle, they call it, which is uh, an area where there's a lot of UFO activity years ago. Probably the same present day, you know, I mean, I've not seen much myself or anything, but you get, um, there was loads and loads of cases in the 90s and there was, um, there's been a lot of different stuff. I mean, there's like, are you aware of any any reports or stories from Scotland? Uh, just in passing, probably, probably more, you know, stuff from old folklore due to the, the research I've done for my book. So probably mm-hmm. not a lot of modern stuff. You've got like... Like just to, to give you, like, on the UFO kind of side yeah, you know I mean, that was kind of what I was more interested at the time, there was, you've got Livingston, which was roughly 10 miles away. In 1979, there was a, a forester worker who, there was a, a kind of full abduction scenario. Police involved, the whole works, a friend. You know I mean, and it's, that was one of the, the most kind of prominent cases in the area. He got abducted, the, the, his trousers were all ripped and stuff like that. Apparently, tried the, the, whatever I had tried to drag him into some kind of strange craft. But the, the, it was one of the only cases where police still had it down. They believed him because the guy was a pillar of the community. People believed who he was, believed it, his story and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to go into the, the details of the whole story, but he'd um, mainly, I think it was still under the report as assault by unknown persons. It was one of the kind of the, the the police put it down as still put it down as an assault, but believed his story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was um, that happened. There was a few other ones that happened about the same. Well, that was seventy nine. There was um, the Silverman case, which we'll talk about within the kind of podcast and stuff like that, which happened. And also in the same town I stayed in, there was a there was a guy who stayed around the corner, and he was watching an electrical storm one night. And this was a a, 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 a case of problem. It was in all the newspapers and stuff like that at the time as well. And, and these people, I knew the guy, and he was a wee bit old, he was a bit older than me. He was one of the ages of my sister, and he was not the type of person to get embellish or make stories up. Or 
you know yourself, people don't want to be known for being that guy. Or, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he was watching an electrical storm late at night and he had seen something move about. It was like he was in some of the adjacent fields. So where I stayed at the time, if you can imagine, there was you cross a road, there was another set of houses, past the house, it was just all moss land. So there was like moss lands like heather, trees, fields, just as far as I could see until you hit the next town, which would probably be four miles away or something like that. So mm-hmm. so he he was looking at an electrical storm, looked out, could see something in the background further up. So he jumped in his car, drove up one of the back roads to see it and and what he'd seen was was a an upside down pyramid. It was like a black pyramid. That's what this guy does. And he um, he had one of the kind of big halogen lights in his car. Plugged it in a cigarette lighter. And this was '94, I think it was. Shone the light on the on the craft or UFO or whatever it was he seen. And his light blew as he did that. Okay. So he got a fright. He jumped back in his car, and because he kind of he felt a bit like. On the east, because he was in the middle of the, the towns, in the middle of nowhere, up these kind of fields, like and he had seen this this craft. So he jumps in his car, tried to start his car. His car didn't start. Got a fright, phoned the police. The police came. But he, going with the story, I can remember so much of the story um, that he'd, he'd called the police, and the police turned up. But he'd he'd thought he'd, he was only up there for. Let's say I, I may be slightly long in the times and stuff, but let's say it was up at night. It was like the back of twelve or like half past twelve or something. Mm-hmm. And he phoned the police and he thought he was only there for fifteen minutes. And the police turned up at let's say it was like something like half past three in the morning. So, but the call with the police didn't go through until it was later on. So he, he basically lost about two hours um, at the time. Yeah. And the police turned up. Um, they checked the times and stuff like that because he'd said he'd been waited. He hadn't been waiting for long, but the time that they'd came up, um, the case got investigated and stuff, wait, like some of the UFO investigators of the day, around um, about this area. The automobile place, that I think it was the RAC, had they tow his car away, car didn't start. His car just restarted about a day or two later, and they couldn't find what was wrong with it. But the police definitely got called to it as well. The police didn't see nothing, you know what I mean? But right. it was a case where he was in himself, called the police, he'd lost two hours. Um, I think one of the investigators that what they try to see if the guy would get regressed or not. Uh, but he didn't. But it's, it was just, it was one of the kind of prominent cases at the time, you know, all the kind of UFO flap that was going on um, around about this area. There was another one in the A70, um, which happened as well. That was two years before that, in 92. Mm-hmm. There was um, two guys travelling in a car. I think it was they were coming back to work or something, and they did see the UFO. It was a full-blown, uh, well, they, they drove home or they drove to where they were going and they were two hours late. So um, we're going for a series of investigation and stuff. They got um, regressed. I think um, um, Bud Hopkins was involved in that at the time, one of the researchers for the US. Mm-hmm. And they got regressed and stuff like that. It was quite a prominent case. You know what I mean, but there's loads of stuff. And then you had in Falkirk, there was a flap in Falkirk where they had thousands of sightings of UFOs. They went to the local council, went to parliament, all that kind of stuff for the amount of UFO sightings there was. Um, there was just loads and I was the, the, this you're talking like for me where I stayed now like, I'm no far from where I used to stay um, I'm a few towns over but you're talking a radius of like 10-15 miles all these things happening yeah, I mean and that's and there's loads of other stuff happened but anyway so that was just kind of like a kind of wee bit of history some of the bits in the area one of the things I did see myself 
I said we were just added this in because I was just thinking of other kind of things that happened at the time and kind of just gone through chronologically. We'd seen one night me and friends we were camping in the same area. Um, it was roughly about five, six miles away. And uh, it was during the night, we were kind of fishing at a lock, just having the odd beer and stuff. And we'd seen, it looked like a satellite travelling through the sky, you know, a bit, a bit, a bit brighter, a bit faster than a satellite, but you could easily strike it down to be a satellite. So we're kind of following it moving through the sky, and then it was coming up towards like another star. And we jokingly said, I wonder what it's going to do, it's, it's going to hit the star. So oh, it's not going to hit the star, obviously, it's just going to cross over its path. But when it got to the star, it did a 90 degree turn, like totally, no arc end or nothing, it just totally different direction, 90 degrees, and then just travelled till you couldn't see it anymore. I mean, that's the kind of only thing we'd ever seen, which you could uh, identify in a sense where it was like some type of UFO or whatever else, but um, it definitely wasn't a satellite because you're not going to get a, a satellite that's going to just change direction right. at 90 degrees, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Nah. So, moving on, as I said, just chronologically, um, when I was 19, 20, um, I started getting sleep paralysis. So... I got sleep paralysis probably for about a year and a half, like solid. I used to get it like, all the time. I'd probably, I'd say, thinking back, it's hard to put a, a time in it, but you'd, I'd probably get sleep paralysis once a week, once every two weeks, something like that. Oof, yeah, that's too much. That's too much. <laughs> over, the, over the space, over the space of about, I'd say, thinking back, it was probably over the space of about a year and a half for about every... Uh, I'd say easy, it was every like two weeks that would happen. You know what I mean? Sometimes every week. And no anything, no anything I could remember in a sense where I didn't see much during that, apart from one thing which I'll tell you about. But I could remember where it started. So the, the, the place, when basically uh, when I was younger, I left house when I was a bit younger, and I was, I was staying with a few friends and stuff like that. So one friend who was a, a few towns over from where I stayed, so I kind of moved in in, in his house and I basically um, was renting a, a room in his house. So in that house, that was the first time it happened for me. I could remember the very first instance that happened. I, was, I, mean, I, was, I wasn't even in my bed at this point. I was actually watching TV and I must have dozed off. I mean, and, I, and I woke up and I could maybe see the TV, but I couldn't, I couldn't turn my head. But I could feel a presence on my right hand side. It's just obviously anytime you get sleep paralysis, you always type you kind of feel a presence. I don't know if it's just a panic. Mm-hmm. You, you can't move and stuff like that. But I felt like there was a presence on my right hand side and I couldn't turn my head to look. But I was definitely awake, you know what I mean, in that sense. Came out of it, you know what I mean? And then there was nothing there. Just felt it was obviously it was really, really odd. But after that first time, and that was like the first time I had it, and I must have I reckon age wise I must have been 18, 19, roughly, I reckon I was trying to put a, t- a date in it, and I reckon I was, was probably 19 at the time, it was hard to say, around about that time year anyway, then it was that age, either 18 or 19, roughly. And that was the first instance that happened. And then after that, it, it, it happened quite a lot, so it would happen like every few weeks, or sometimes every week, and it would go on for a while. And it happened in that property. Never seen anything in that sense, but it was always the same kind of feeling, you would wake up, you would you would be immobilized. You feel like there's a presence in the room. You can't be a finger on that. You can't see anything. You can't move. You can't talk. You sometimes almost think you can scream, but it's it's kind of like the, the wind being brought out of you. 
you know what I mean? And you can maybe get your vocal cords working slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I know. I, I can very much like, uh, identify with this. Yeah, I, I know the feelings. Yeah. And it's almost like you can you can almost scream, but you can't. It's mm-hmm. like, um, I, I put it down to sometimes, like, you had a slight bit of air coming out that you could maybe like, uh, like yep. that, and yep. trying to get something out, but you, you couldn't. So that happened quite a lot. It happened in that property. I then moved from there to back to the same town I grew up in. This was a few towns over. It wasn't the town I stayed in, but I was a, a mate I knew for another few towns. So I went and stayed there. Moved back with another friend. And then when I moved into his house, like I, I decorated a room in his house. So like there was like a, a spare room, need like repainting and stuff like that. So I, I went to work and tidied the place up in that and painted it and decorated it. And it used to happen in that house as well. It was the same time area, because I just went from that house to that house, the same time area. And he never believed me. He, he didn't believe it happened. Hmm. And uh, it used to happen quite a lot. Sometimes at a point where um, you can't see what's there, but you actually feel yourself still getting pushed back down again. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're almost getting up, but then you're getting pushed back down. And me and a few friends used to joke about it, because I had other friends as well who, who got up, who wouldn't tell another soul. He wouldn't tell another soul, but he used to get it quite a lot, accompanied with he had seen stuff, and and it and used to kind of totally spook him out. I mean, to the point you'd be kind of talking about it, and you kinda, you'd maybe see like his eyes kind of tearing up, you know what I mean? Because it was like spooking him out that much. But yeah, he wouldn't yeah. relay that information to anybody else because I was talking about it. He kind of tell me about it as well. So in that house, the, the, the friend that I'd stayed would never believe me and stuff, right? And the, the funny thing was, right, this, this happened quite a lot over that year and a half in, that, in the first house and then in this house. And the funny thing is, I moved out of that house and then it wasn't until he'd, he'd I'd met him, I'd moved out of that house and it was probably a wee while after um, I'd seen him again. And he came up to me and he says, remember what you used to speak about with the, the sleep paralysis and all that and, and found the presence of the room and stuff. And I never believed you. And I says, yes. And he says, well, when you left, he said, because you decorated the room up quite nice and stuff like that, I moved into that room. And he said, it started happening to me. Oh, wow. That's mad. You know what I mean? Yeah. But a guy who didn't believe it and stuff like that. And then, he, <laughs> so that was like one of the last places I had it, right? And when I tell the sleep paralysis story, I never had in this bit I'm going to tell you. It just, it, it just it sounds, because you could also, you could put that, you could, you could put that down as sleep paralysis, like, and say, oh, it's only hypnagogic sleep, right. you know, whatever else, and you could rationalise it and whatever. But when I'd left there, the day after I left that house, I was going down south to, to go down and stay with my sister for a while, and my mother had moved away down south. So I was going down there just for like a year or so. And one of my other sisters stayed in the same town I was in. And I, I'd stayed, I slept on her couch that night before I'd kind of left. And on that night, this was like the very, very last time I had it. So I was sleeping on our couch. And if you can imagine, so it was in the living room, right? And the front window of a living room looked out on the street. And the street was maybe, it was a small front garden, and then you had like the street and the road that ran past. So if you can imagine, the blinds of the, the living window were closed, and the window was closed, the, maybe an open gap about five, six hundred mil in the middle. So at night when I was before I went to bed sleeping, you could see the street lights outside. So the, the street lights here then anyway were like a kind of orangey tinge to them. Mm-hmm. 
you could see like the the street light shining through where the gap in the curtains were, which is maybe about six hundred wide. So I'd kind of woke up in the morning and <clears throat> I had sleep paralysis. This was like the, the last time I had it. And as I said, if I ever told anybody a sleep paralysis story, I wouldn't add this bit in. Um, because it just it sounds too out there right. in a sense, you know what I mean? But in this format, I'm you know, happy to share it, you know what I mean? But so I was I was sleeping, I had sleep paralysis, and I woke up and I could see somebody standing in that in that space. The space where the wind, the, the outside light was shining in the window with the kind of orange tinge, I could see somebody. And it was an outline. I could definitely see it was an outline of a woman. You know what I mean? And it was it was just just black. I couldn't see it. I just could see the outline. And I was at the time I was kind of lying on my side. If you can imagine me lying on the side, on my side, on the couch, looking towards the, the window, can't move. And I can mind at that point I was trying to shout, but I couldn't. You know what I mean? And this this thing came towards me. So it was like, if you can imagine, I could tell it was I th- I, see, I was thinking last night about it. I think at the time I was trying to shout with my mum for some reason, but I knew this wasn't my mum, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know why I was trying to shout with my mum at the time, but I could mind the, the vocal cords, as I said, it's the same kind of description there, slightly working, but no getting the actual vocal cords to work fully. Right. For it yeah. to make any sound, you're getting a bit of air passing through, but that's it. So... I could see the outline here. Yeah. It looked to me like the outline of a woman in black, just just total black. You couldn't see nothing else. I could see the hair because the light was shining through the back. I could see it looked like you could see the hair. And this thing came towards me. So the living room is probably four and a half meters to the wind, probably or four meters to me to the window. So this thing came towards me, and it was light enough from like the light shining through that I could see, and it, it kneeled in front of me. And came down towards my face, and then disappeared. Hmm. And I came, I came out there. I mean, for that point, but it definitely happened. I mean, that, that I seen. Now, I mean, was, was it black because it was silhouetted by the lights behind it? Or was do you think like the figure itself was just a black? You know, it was, it was hard to tell. You know, what I mean, it, it just to me it, it, it looked fully black. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see. I could definitely see hair. I could work out there was hair there. I mean, because it looked like longer. If you can imagine, it was like hair gone down past the shoulders. Right. And that's as much as I could see. It was just, it was just that black. I reckon because obviously a bit of both. You know what I mean, to me, it looked like it was, it was, it was black just for the fact that it was, it was dark mm-hmm. and you couldn't see anymore. So it was hard to discern if it was just totally black. But you couldn't see any. Um, for what I can remember. For even the light coming in, you couldn't see any features or nothing like that. I mean, you could just see the outline, and then like the, the middle bit being filled in black. You know what I mean? Which was it was pretty odd. You know what I mean? But I always remember that, and I, I never really the story to anybody because you just don't. You know what I mean, well, some people don't, some people do, but uh, I kept a lot of that kind of stuff to myself. Yeah, um, well, yeah, a lot of a lot of people do. I mean, it took me years before I started talking about uh, this stuff. Around what year were these sleep paralysis? experience um, oh, I'm 40 I'm 43 now what's the date I'm just trying to think of the date what that would have been probably I reckon uh, 98 99 maybe okay did you know what sleep paralysis was it, when it was happening to me I'm asking because when it happened to me I, I had no <laughs> clue what it was so I didn't I didn't have any reference you know to talk I, about this I knew I looked into it and I knew and I knew there was 
I, I put it down just I, they start off I put it down to extra tiredness mm-hmm. because at the time when I was younger I was out partying all the time and stuff like that sure. and, uh, I put it down to that but I partied more than a year and a half you know mm-hmm. what I mean and, uh, between the ages you know what I mean so I don't know how and it only happened in two properties which I found uh, which I found odd you know what I mean because at one point I was in the first property I moved out of that property and then another property for a wee bit before I moved into my, my friend's house and it only happened in the the property I'd said another property but the third property of my sister's house it happened there it all happened to the once and that was the last time it happened so I could I could totally remember the first time it happened which was in my friend's house in the few towns over and that was a place called Bog Hall it was, it was dedgy another town and then the, the other town the other place where it was was in the town I used to stay in as I said I knew the whole the old hag syndrome and, and stuff like that okay because yeah, I, read, I read about that I'm just trying to think I've read about that later on I knew it was a thing I mean but I just I just at the time I put it down to just being overly tired and stuff like that but then it's easy to, it's easy to just rationalise it and put it at the back of your mind when it's like that's what we're looking at things that's happened as well you tend to rationalise things oh, yeah. put, it your back, put it at the back of your mind and forget about it mm-hmm. and, yeah. and then but, but you know in yourself that something's not right you know what I mean, and it's um, it kind of just sticks in the back of your mind. But it's easy to rationalise stuff, and it's easy just to not talk about the strange bits of it, like that bit I've just relayed. You know what I mean? Because that that bit there, you know what I mean? I know, like obviously, you can get the medical reason for sleep paralysis or the psychological part of it. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe all that. You know what I mean? Because definitely, when you're there, you feel a presence, and for that last thing that happened, you know what I mean, that I could see that. You know what I mean that. Outlining that, whatever it was, seen it. I mean, it was there, and then for it only to happen at that time and period, and then and, and no happen again. And, and the funny thing as well, I was I was talking about it to somebody, and there's a guy I know when I, basically I did a bit of surfing and stuff like that. A guy I know at the beach, and I was talking to him. And the, the funny thing is, this was, this was only actually um, a wee while ago, and. Um, I was. I've never really spoke about that that bit of the story to people. When if you ever talk about sleep paralysis, and I was talking about a, a few different things, and uh, we got talking about sleep paralysis, and he said, "I got that as well." And, and he was and he was talking, and he said, "It was around about that age." He was about the same age as me. It was around about that that date. It was about like ninety nine, two thousand, somewhere. And I said, "Ah, that's right." And he says, "Did you see a Did you see a woman in black?" And I, and I, and I thought, "What?" And, and and then I started relating the story, and I was like, that's mad. Yeah, I mean, and he said he'd seen the same. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, and I found that, like, for him to, for him to come out and say that, did you see a woman in black? And I'm just like, that, that's mad. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I told him the story, and like, God, and they told him the story up until then. But yeah, just pretty crazy, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, well, I'm kind of counting back in my head, and I'm thinking... My total number of sleep paralysis experiences throughout my life is probably a dozen or a little over a dozen. So I can't imagine, you know, weekly or every week and a half, like you were saying, that is a lot. That's a lot. Not mm. harmed all the time. <laughs> really, really all the time. And uh, I, I can mind you meeting others with it and we used to talk about it and talk about the, the old hag syndrome and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and I can remember one other guy at the beach as well. and. And I don't know how we were talking about it, but he, he used to spook him totally out. 
and uh, I would say, oh, Harry's coming to get you and stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but aye, and uh, but that's it's, it's mad. You know what I mean? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So going for there, nothing really eventful can happen for for a wee while, and uh, ended up uh, I met my wife and stuff like that, and I moved into another town, and I can mind the one thing which which I, which I remembered about, and I'll I'll, I'll fall into place later on, and we am going to go through the stories, but I was um, doing a bit of running and stuff like that, and um, I ended up. Like I'd run around this kind of circuit around the house. I mean, in the area was I was staying, and then I'd go run the roads, and I noticed, and there was this bit of forestry, and I could see the trails and stuff like that in the forestry, and I did a bit of trail running, and I said, "Oh, come, I'm, next time I come up, I'm going to, um, I'll go in there," and I came in. It was during the day, and I parked the car, and it was like it was midday or something. Like that. I ran through, if you can imagine, it was kind of flat field with smaller trees. And trails, you went up a, a slight incline into a, a hill forestry area with pine trees and stuff like that. It wasn't a large wood, you know what I mean? Maybe about a mile, mm-hmm. about a mile square, if that, you know what I mean? But it was, it was connected to a lot of other woods and stuff like that in the area. It was quite a lot of, in this area, there's lots of woods, hills, and other stuff in the countryside, you know what I mean? There's a lot of kind of forestry area and stuff. So I was up running, I ran through the first part of the field, and I ran, and you need to remember, um, I had a, as I say, I had an interest in UFOs and stuff like that, but not at the point point where I, ever look, I never really looked for anything or, or, or anything like that. As far as it went, I read a few books. I mean, that was that. You know I mean? Right. So I'd run through um, the forest area, the, 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 the small tree forest area and like flat kind of field bit first, go up the hill into the bigger forest area, and then I had something came over me. Is just basically the like I've, I've recounted quite a lot of other cases where you, you get the panic, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Sets and it was like that. I mean, and the only way I described it, and I came into talking about it recently, was um, I never seen anything. 
you know what I mean? But I got up and got up the hill and got into the forest and something told me in the forest, like, no, in my head anyway, you know what I mean? It was like, it didn't go any further. Don't go any further. And it was like, um, the only way I can describe it is what we were talking about earlier on about when you're a lot younger, you perceive these things a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it was like going back to that age, feeling that sensation or feeling there's something not right and the fact we're just getting like spooked out totally for some reason and I've never ever I've never ever felt like that like we're going out especially going out for a run during the day it's the last thing in your mind you'd even expect to think you know what I mean and I hadn't even thought about anything like that at all running up so I got up into the woods felt that feeling just when I got in the woods I, I turned around and hightailed it back earlier and then cut my run short I never ran in the woods again. Hmm. And it was just so odd. You know what I mean? It was I mean, just the feeling I got was so odd, right? And that's it. There was nothing, nothing much to it. Fast forward a number of years after that, moved back to my original town where I stayed. And um, I still did a lot of running, done triathlon and stuff like that. And you know, you're no out actively looking for anything when you're out running. You're just out running. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. I used to run at night. I'd run during the day, run the mornings, all different times when I could. Sometimes you'd come home from work and you'd have other stuff on. And I'd even run late at night. I mean, like maybe like half nine, ten at night. You know what I mean? Just to try and get your run in and stuff and then you'd be back. Mm-hmm. And I even, I even would run with the head torches on sometimes with the head torch or whatever. So where I stayed, um, we kind of stayed in a new estate. And it was, um, if you can imagine, the, the north, north of the town um, stopped. And then there was, it was maybe about, as I said, three or four miles. Sorry, the south of the, the town stopped and it was about three or four miles to the next town. And it was all like fields and forestry or marshland in between. Mm-hmm. And then that the same from the east and west of the town. So you'd have all these kind of, if you imagine, all that type of land in between and just like smaller towns dotted in between all this kind of fields and farmland and forestry and stuff like that. So I was running running along there's a cycle path that it, it runs adjacent um east to west on the back of the town and, and and goes into the next town over so i was running on the cycle path at night it must have been I, it's, I'm, I'm guessing here i mean but i reckon it was like it was i can remember it was late at night it was about half nine or ten at night at the time and i can remember it was either not using a head torch or if i was using a head torch it was I've still got it actually. The the one I used to use now and again when I went out was only like a tiny bit of road in front of me. It was a crap torch, right? <laughs> to be honest, it was like if you can imagine like the the head torches where it's the it's when you get LEDs now. They're usually it's a different type of diode in them, and the they shine out a brighter light. Mm-hmm. The ones you used to have years ago, like the diode in them, was it was just like a tiny wee ball type thing with a tiny light inside it. Right. About three of them, and they were just it was just a, a crap light basically. So it only lit maybe a bit. A meter and a half in front of you, so you could see where you're running. So it was either I had that on, that was one I had at the time, or I didn't have one. I mean, so when you run along the cycle path, so if you run along west to east before you get to the next town, right, along, so if you imagine all the lands next to you, it's just talking to fields and forestry or whatever, and then you're kind of um, passing farmers' fields and stuff. So when you're running along, if you imagine you're running along the outskirts of the town, the town stops at some point. And then it's just you're running through a field area, lots of fields, until you hit the next town. So that that length of that distance is probably about two miles or something, right, to the next town to the east. 
So I'm running. So running along, you can you're skirting beside the side of the houses. So the houses are probably maybe to my left hand side. They're probably a couple hundred meters away, and then it's just like this cycle path that runs. So I'm running. The houses end. You get a bit of forestry, and it's kind of open fields. It used to be an old railway line, which got reinstated, but they kept the line with the cycle path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can imagine the cycle path was slightly higher than the field next to it. So right. like, the, you know, with, the, with the track used to run, so it was probably maybe, I'd probably guess about five, six feet above the actual fields on the left there. So you're running past, no thinking about anything, just apart from running, obviously. I used to do runs where I'd run out and back or do loops and stuff um, around town. So running the house's end, you're starting to get in the forestry area, a bit of fields, and it's like farmer's fields. And, and something caught my eye on the left-hand side as I was running. Um, and I looked over at the field, and a, a couple of hundred metres away, right, or a hundred metres away or so, probably more than that, I could see a red light, like a red LED. And that's what it looked like, a, a red LED. And as I, as I was running and I looked at it, uh, was travelling along the field to intercept me and my uh, weekend of the way I was running. So if, just to kind of describe the night, it was kind of a dark night. You couldn't see a lot, right? So that's why I'm thinking some of the psychopath was lit until you got to the, the section where it was just fields, right? So I either ran without a head torch or I had that crap torch I was talking about to do that. But I didn't mind something running without a head torch. I just, it just didn't really bother me as much. So I've seen this LED, you can, if you can imagine the fields adjacent to the left-hand side, pretty dark, you couldn't see much, but there was like gorse bushes, you know what a gorse bush is? It's like a kind of a jaggy bush type thing, right? So you can, you, you could see, you notably see them as in being darker, so you could see shapes in the field, so it was like a bush, you could, you could basically, your night vision, you could see like the bush, you could see the field, although it was all different um, shades of black, if you know what I mean. Right, a shades of grey, I mean, for the, the light that you could actually see. So, this red LED was coming to intercept me. So, I was still jogging, jogging, and I initially thought, like, this is going to be somebody's got a dog in the field. And I kind of worried, I was like, I hope the farmer's gate shut at the bottom, it just looks like it's running towards trying to get me, kind of thing, right? So, LED coming towards me, I'm still running, and it, and it stops and it's, and it's traveling along parallel with me. So, at the one point, it's probably about this small red LED, right? That's all it was. It was travelling about three to four feet off the ground, right? About 10 metres. This is only 10 metres away from me, right? But running in parallel, and it's weaving in and out the gorse bushes. As there's gorse bushes coming up next to the fence, it was going behind them, travelling through them, and then still going. And I'm I'm struggling to hear. Because like this thing's been running with me for a while now, right? So... I'm listening to find if somebody's shout, but shouting a dog to come back. Right. It's, not a field, it's not a field you would actually have a dog in because it's usually cattle in the field. And at that time of night, there's paths there as well. So you would, you would easily go on a path, right? So anyway, apart from that, I'm running and I'm still straining to hear if anybody's shouting a dog. I still couldn't hear nothing. I'm still worrying about the gate being open at the bottom in case this, this dog looks like it's running <laughs> like towards where I am kind of thing. You know what I mean? So... Mm-hmm. Follows me all the way down. You're talking, it, it went with me for any, I was looking at the map, I looked at the Google map, I was just checking the distance. It, it went probably, I would say, between 500 metres to 700 metres where it, where it followed me, right? Travelled with me about 10 metres away, hmm. all the way down. And then uh, to, my, to my side, 
And it was just basically, as I said, it was three to four feet off the ground. I go to the end, and I could still see it. It went behind the bush, and the gate was closed, thankfully. It went behind the bush, and it disappeared. And then by that point, you go under an underpass, which the road goes over, and then you basically, you travel for like another half mile or so, or mile, and then you're into the next town. So I stops on the under, underpass, and I turns around, and I look to see where the, the red light is. And, and it's not there. And then I'll listen again to see if I could hear anybody. I can't hear anybody shouting the dog or nothing like that. And then I start to kind of slowly jog again. And, and I'm thinking, I never seen a dog. I mean, I couldn't see. Right. I, I could see, I could noticeably see gorse bushes. I could noticeably see the field and the gorse bushes on the field, but being a different shade of kind of darkness or black, you know what I mean? You could, you could, you could actually notice them out. But then I was thinking, I couldn't see a dog. I could only see that light, that small red light. And all it was was a small red LED. I mean, mm-hmm. that was it. So I, I didn't run back that way. Right? I, I, I was going to kind of do an out and back and come back. I never ran out. I, I, I cut off, sped up, went to the next town, and I ran back the streets with the lights. Mm-hmm. And then um, got home and stuff like that. And I, I was actually trying to check on eBay, right? but he, he doesn't go back that far. After that, I never ran without a head torch again, and I got like a, a torch you could beam a good distance. <laughs> I mean, so right. you could actually, you know, I went and bought one. I went and bought one. It actually beams at like a, a prominent light in front of you so you could see. And I can remember that's why I did that, because of that time. And it wasn't until, I, I kind of forgot about it. And it wasn't until I'd, I'd seen, I was watching someone Skinwalker Ranch, and they had talked about the same with some small red LED light. It wasn't an orb or nothing like that. It was like, in one of the fields where something to do with something to do with the cattle, they'd seen a, a small red LED, <laughs> and I, I kind of thought I've seen I've seen something like that. You could easily put it down to it was like uh, somebody's dog had been let loose in a field and escaped and was running at a mock, but I couldn't see a dog. I definitely couldn't see a dog. All I seen was this light, and the light had travelled along next me for that amount of time, and. I, when I seen the Skinwalker Ranch thing, and you're talking, this was like 10 years ago when this probably happened to me with a light. Mm-hmm. And I spoke to the wife and I said to the wife, could you, I said, I've seen something like that. Could you remember? Did I, did I tell you about that? And she says, tell me. She goes, you wouldn't have stopped talking about it for a few months. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, I, I said, that's mad because I can't even remember that. You know what I mean? But then when I started thinking about it, I thought, I can't remember like going on about it that much there. Because um, I just put it, I put it at the back of my mind. It's one of these things where you rationalise it again. Mm-hmm. It's probably somebody with a dog. It's probably this. It's probably that, and you stop thinking about it, and and that's the way it goes. But I definitely for that it changed my behaviour. I mean, I, I stopped running at night without a torch. Definitely. I mean, I wouldn't run a game without a torch, and I didn't. I don't even think I ran out that way again. Not to be honest with you, when I was doing it, but it, it just felt totally odd. You know what I mean? And it's in all in that kind of same area. You know what I mean? As I said before, like that was you're probably looking about a mile away from. The thing that happened to the guy with the UFO and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying it was a UFO, it could have been anything, but it was just a, just a kind of strange, one of these ones where you knew there was something strange. You know what I mean? The lights that we have seen in that area we call Site 7, and a number of people I've talked to since then, I'm not going to say universally, but the great majority of people describe them as LED lights. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I saw and what we continue to see. When it was next to you, was it kind of weaving in and out of the trees, like a, like avoiding? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
it was like going behind the gorse bushes. Yeah. And weaving in between them. If there was one coming up towards it, it would go behind it or go in front of it. And I could see that. I could definitely see because you could you could easily discern the difference between the field area and the gorse bushes because mm-hmm. of the, just the, the darkness that was there. But my, if I, as I, was, I was trying to remember at the time, I was staying, I was out running without, was I, did I have a torch on? Because I knew I definitely bought the, the torch that shone the light because of this. Because I could easily have turned around and, and looked at it. So it was either I was either running without a torch or running with like the, the small tiny torch I had, which doesn't cast any light. It just it's a, it's like three small LEDs that just cast a wee bit of light in front of you. Mm-hmm. And I probably had that on, you know what I mean? But it was dark, right? It was totally dark, but it was light enough that you could actually discern between the field area, the gorse bushes, the dark colours of the fence, stuff like that. You right. Know what I mean, yeah. so but it wasn't until in my head at the start of it, oh, I was thinking about, oh, I'm not a dog attacking me. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I was running and like, if you, if you're a runner and you're running past somebody with a dog that's not a lead, you think, oh, this dog's going to chase me. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, 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 that's kind of what you think, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, always, I always find if I'm out running, <clears throat> I usually, when I run now, I still run, I usually run in the mornings, um, trying to go early when it's, it's not as busy or there's a lot of people out, but, I'd always slow down when I see a dog just in case it's, it's going to chase you or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But it, that's, that's all I had in my mind to start off with until I, like, until the gate was locked at the end. I turned around, seen it, went behind a gorse bush, it disappeared. And I couldn't hear anybody shouting on it or looking for it. Right. And it at this point, you're probably talking this dog would have been, it's original start point. You, it was easy about 700 metres away from where it started. So it's just under a kilometre. So, if it was somebody with a dog, they'd be shining on it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's it's easy to turn around and say, oh, it was probably just a dog escaped or whatever and put it at the back of your mind. But it was funny when I said to the wife and, and, and she had said, nah, you spoke about it for months. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> and I couldn't even remember that. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the other thing that happens too. Even when we purposely go out looking, after a while, you like you said, you tend to start reasoning it away. Oh, I guess it was this or I guess it was that. and sometimes it takes I mean because I'm documenting it and I'm recording it it's, it's, it's a little bit easier for me to you know relive the sort of wonder that goes with it but often it's it's diminished until we go out and we see him again and then you're reminded like oh wow that yeah that was weird that's a really weird thing yeah no totally that's it and it's when you start thinking about it and there's a few other things so that that was that and can you apart from a few can you just kind of had dreams and stuff like that. It was like a bit uneventful. And as I said, the houses I'd stayed in, they felt quite safe houses. You know what I mean? Compared to the kind of feeling I had in the first house mm-hmm. that I'd stayed in. Or the sleep paralysis or anything like that. I mean, but the houses I've, I've got now, like my kids and stuff like that, feel pretty safe. Up until, well, let's say they still feel safe. You know what I mean? But my youngest, he's seven now. You know what I mean? But over the last kind of couple of years, he, he, he couldn't sleep. And like without a light, like, he couldn't sleep in his room, and he would come through at night and stuff like that. And he'd say he would seen things, and I'd say, "What is it?" And he'd, he'd say, "I'd seen like a black thing." Hmm. And I'd be like, "What is it?" And because he, for what, just even the thing, you know what I mean? But because of the me having a fear of the the night when I was younger, so now he sleeps with his door open. No, I mean, he's, we stay in a bungalow, so his room's adjacent to ours anyway, so he sleeps with his door open, his light on, and I, I don't mind that, you know what I mean? When I was younger, I used to dread the moment where somebody slipped their hand in the room and turned the light off. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so he'd and I, I'd ask him. I, I, I'm trying not to dwell on it too much. You didn't want to uh, freak the kids out, but I just right. said, "What did you see?" He's like, "Well, I don't know. Have you seen this?" And he said, "Well, he has to have his <clears throat> like any kids have his his um, wardrobe closed, windows window curtains shut, and stuff like that." And I just found it odd that he's he's um, he said that seemed like some black thing, and then he said, "I see it at the, at the side, as if it's like the top of the corner of his eye." And I said, "Have you seen anything else?" He said, "Well, one time, one morning, I seen." He said it, it was then uh, it looked like a black octopus and disappeared. But I just put it, it's easy to rationalise that and say he's just waking up, his eyes are just adjusting, he's right. seen this, he's seen that, and, and all that, right? You could easily think that. So now, anyway, he's quite comfortable now with the fact that I leave his door open, I've got he's got a light on, and he's he's been fine ever since. But he has got a, a, a really bad fear of the dark, and it's um, it's. I noticed it. It was only we were playing one day in the room, and it was it wasn't even that long ago. And they were kind of toy fighting and stuff like that, and we were playing the Nerf guns and stuff. And I ran through. I turned the light off, and he went hysterical. Oh, wow. it was totally hysterical to the point where he was like shaking and stuff. And I was like, that's just no normal. You know what I mean? For they have that fear. Yeah. yeah. But there's no scene in there. What's anything? Did they have that fear? So that's it. So he's quite comfortable going to the house, and he. So I just, I keep an eye on it, you know what I mean? And I leave the door open and I leave the light on and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just, uh, I, do, I don't just discount it as if like uh, when, when I was a kid, you know what I mean? I just, just go to bed and lie off. Because, like, you know, years ago it was always about saving money rather than energy. Right. You turn the lights off. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you cost us money here, turn the light off. I don't care if you're scared. So, oh, um, yeah. So I grew up in a big farmhouse and there was one bathroom and it was way down on the on the bottom floor on one side of the house. And, you know, if you wake up at night and you had to use that, I, I wasn't allowed to wake my parents up and basically had to had to make the journey myself. Mm-hmm. And if you leave one light on that my dad would just lay into you the next day just for waste, <laughs> wasting money. So I had to I'd go, I'd turn every light on along the way. And then I'd come back and I'd turn every light off, or I'd try to, but you know, sometimes I'd forget or something. But uh, yeah, it's it was funny when, all when about Matthew, saving money. Yeah, totally. Never was about saving energy and money. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got, I've got two kids. I've got like one at seven, one at eight. And um, through time, it was the first one he would come into our room, and then like now it's just now it's like my, my youngest that comes in, you know, and, and they just shape through and use our like we've got an ensuite toilet. So rather than use the toilet in the hall. We'll just come straight into our room and use our toilet and wake us up. And <laughs> so, um, as I'm saying, I've been up now because obviously the time difference, I've been up since like four. But my kids, like my youngest, I'll probably come in and wake us up about five every morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, early riser. So, on that note, with the whole kind of black thing, shadow, all that, right? So, you seen that, I just kept an eye on it, and I mean, but he's been fine. And you could easily write that off as just waking up and tricking the light eyes and all that kind of stuff but another thing I rationalised and just and I only spoke about it recently like I'm talking about this year I never it only happened it probably only happened about a year and a half two years ago so if you can imagine where I stay now I've got a kitchen dining room and living room and it's like a, an L shape so basically it's, if you imagine you go kitchen first you walk through the kitchen into the dining room which is one big room and then off the dining room to your right would be the living room. So when you're going through the living room, there's a big opening, right? So it's a big opening, it's just kind of open plan. 
And then um, but either either side of the opening, there's maybe about a metre a wall. Okay, can you imagine that? So you're walking through, you walk through the big opening and either side there's like a metre of wall. And on the back of one of the walls is one of the settees that runs along and the arm settees at the back of the, the I'm describing it right, good enough, but yeah. so basically you, when you sit on the couch, when you sit on the, when you sit on the couch, you, you've got like a, a bit of wall that's just next to the open. So I was, I was sitting watching TV with that bit of wall just in my back and if I move my left hand, I could easily grab the side bit of the opening. Okay, so watching TV, and I forgot to do something. It was either I had to either turn the um, dishwasher off, or I had to go into the kitchen to close the fridge. It was something that I just instantly forgot, and it, it just it just came to my mind that I forgot that and I had to do it, whatever it was. So, so it was something like that. I can't remember actually what it was, but it was something like that. So as I remembered what it was to go and do, uh, I grabbed the wall and, and just spun myself round from the, the L-shape into the living room, into the dining room, if you know what I mean. So I kind of spun myself round into that room pretty quick. And as I did that, there was something in front of me. Hmm. So to the point where I apologised, right, because I thought it was my wife. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I spun around the room and there was something in front of me and I said sorry. And then I kind of took a, a back step and I was like, there's nothing there. And it was like instantly there was something in front of my eyes. Definitely like some black in front of my eyes. And it was near, I didn't have my, I had my eyes open. It was, and the light was on in the back of the kitchen. It was like something was there. And I just instantly kind of walked past it and then just done what I was doing. And it was like one of the ones where you, ration, you rationalise that again and you say, it it's just a trick of the light. It was just this, it was right. just that. It was, there was definitely something there. And I hadn't the, I, I didn't even tell my wife about the things where, I, I've recently now, I mean, but I didn't tell my wife about the kids saying about the, the black thing that caught in these eyes. I just didn't want to antagonise, like, them to start getting stressed out about stuff and that or whatever. And, and I said to my wife recently about the thing, I said, look, she didn't believe in anything at all or, or doesn't want to believe in anything for the fact that she's, she doesn't want to, she probably doesn't believe in stuff, but she doesn't want to believe it, you know what I mean? So she'll, right, right. it's going to scare her in any sense or whatever. So I'd, I'd say to her, I said, look, something odd happened probably just last year, maybe it wasn't even a year ago or whatever, but I said, look, I'm sitting there, I spun round, and there was, and there was something in front of me. I said, there was something there as I went in the kitchen, like for an instant to the point where I apologised, I thought it was you, and there was nothing there. And I just went on about whatever I was doing. And she goes, ah, funnily enough, she was like, ah, that's odd. She goes, but there was one night I woke up and she goes, I swear that the, the kids were standing at the side of the bed, the two of them, next to where I was sleeping. And she, and she said, but like, it wasn't a dream or I was dreaming or something. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? and, and that was as far as it, she kind of went with it. You know what I mean? But in this house, I mean, I feel pretty you know, safe in this house, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, I think, I, you know, this, not all of this stuff is negative and it doesn't happen all the time. Most house I was in, you could definitely feel there was some kind of some malevolence there. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, there was something there. Uh, you know, it's just we obviously think as well with the adolescents in the house and stuff as well, and, and there's no being my dad was in there during the weeks, and just all the kind of energies now. It's just uh, creates that kind of environment thing. But there's like as I was saying, we've gone through. There's so many people with stories like that. 
mm-hmm. it, it probably just it just put my weight at the back of their mind and, and, and don't remember them in any sense. If you like Strange Familiars and you like what we do, you like the content we make, and you want to get more content, you can become a patron at Patreon. Great way to help us keep making content and make sure you get more Strange Familiars. Make sure we're able to make Strange Familiars for you. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. You can check out all the different tiers of support there. Again, that's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And I want to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, guys. You absolutely make this show happen. We couldn't do it without you. So thank you for all you do. There are over 65 patron shows there. Now, we'll be adding a new patron show, at least one every month. Patrons get more Strange Familiars and help us make the show as well. Patreon.com slash Strange Familiars. If you don't like the idea of a subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. Look for the paypal.me link at strangefamiliars.com under the show notes for any episode. And of course, everyone can help by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whether that's on a podcatcher or YouTube or wherever, and leaving us those nice reviews, which help us get a show in front of new potential listeners. And now we'll get back to the rest of my talk with Chris. So so from all that kind of stuff like that, I started looking at... um, other things in the area and stuff. So I was like, because I knew stories in my own, I kind of thought, well, there's loads of other people must have like some kind of stories and, and look into that. So I started my own podcast just recently during the, the lockdown, mainly about because I, mainly about, I wanted to try and find out more stories in the area. Because, you know, this area is quite prominent for a lot of different stories and, and there's there been cases through the years of strange stuff happening. Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at it, like right through the years, so I was starting to kind of just get into that and look at stuff. And uh, it actually started when I was, because of the thing where you, you know about the family stuff, and I thought there must be loads of other families with stories like that. And I know friends who have got stories about stuff. Um, they might not want to speak about it, but I know there must be other people there. And when I talk about it, and it's mainly for myself, it's just to try and, I want to, I'm interested in all about the stories and, and interested in all about what else is out there. Um, it was funny because I was, I was listening to stuff about down south and that's when I started writing some of this down but I was looking at all the kind of stuff that happens it's, it's East Yorkshire that happens and they've, they've got sightings, cryptic sightings they've got UFOs and just a lot of weird stuff goes on down there and there's um, a guy down there that researches that and he's got a few books out and stuff and it's quite interesting and I was never into any of like, the cryptid stuff or, or nothing like that at all and I, as I said before I had an interest in UFOs but um, and I kind of started looking at like, like that thing as well, the black ball and all that in, in the house. I was like, that's right. So when I was, I was kind of thinking about this area, and I thought I'm going to start a podcast. And um, so I was kind of looking at different stories, and, and, I, and I heard their story, which happened in, in the Bathgate Hills, which is um, for where I stay now. It's like five miles away. Okay. And so I managed to to track down the, the guy with the story and. I spoke to him, and this happened in um, '88. It was. I'm not going to go into detail with the story, but <clears throat> it's um, the guy I can rough run down here. The guy had Bathgate Hills, as I said. There's, there's a lot of kind of hill area. There's forestry and stuff like that. And there's like, as I said, the towns are kind of dotted about everywhere. And there's like a lot of kind of forestry hills and and moss land in between. 
he's, he stays, stays in a few times over. He was with his kids and his wife in the car and they were driving and the kids wanted to go for a drive but they think it's their, their weekly shop and then the kids will say well we'll go this way and whatever so they were driving through the Bathgate Hills so he drove up and he said it was like a, a cold grey crisp night in the winter time there was fields on his left hand side and a lot of forestry on the right hand side so he, he, he drove up and he came round this bend and before he got round the bend he, seen like a, he said he'd seen a flash and a type of flash is something kind of moving and when they got around the bend his wife said did you see that and his kids at the back shouted you've seen the silver man and and he said he said it wasn't he said it wasn't he silver he said what it was is, he said, so what transpired is for the amount of time he's seen it he had um, and this is in the podcast if you listen to the kind of first kind of podcast it's, it's, it's no bad story he basically was driving around. This thing was kind of crouched down, right? And he said the way he described it, it was it wasn't silver. He said it more looked like a negative. So see when you get a, a negative picture, mm. you've got the kind of white against the kind of black back and whatever. He said it was like that, but you couldn't see through it. It was more like it was light type thing, but it was, it was odd to say. He said, but he said this thing. It was. He said it wasn't he. It wasn't a small thing. He said it was big, it was bulky. He said it was about seven, eight feet. And it ran. He said the thing is it was crouched down next to the fence, next to the road, and it stood up and it ran through the fence. And then um, it done like a kind of semi-circle. And then like, they kind of, by that point, they I drove, it was only like, it was like a fleeting, like less than 10 seconds as it kind of drove over this thing, kind of shot around. But, he said that it just changed his outlook in his life and a lot of stuff. Oh, wow. But he, he said, the thing that happened is he said he went through a series of elimination, him and his wife used to talk about it, because they all seen it, you know what I mean, and they all seen this thing, and he said that he thought it was it was kind of Stalin on him, but he said it was funny, because we, we thought it was like Stalin or looking back and making a face, he said, but it didn't have a face, and he goes, I don't know how we think that, but it didn't have a face. Hmm. It was just, it was, it was odd. And uh, he said, but the, the mad thing was that looking back and all that kind of stuff, I can't remember much after it. And he tried to like a lot of stuff where he used to work in healthcare and, and he'd done like uh, regression and stuff like that. So he tried to do regression, like self-regression. And he said, I couldn't get past the point after going in the bend. It just, it was like a, a, a black kind of screen came in, in front of you. And he said, he couldn't get past that. Oh, wow. But, um, it was an interesting story. The thing is, like, I hadn't knew about the story until like, looking into a lot of other stuff with the cryptids and whatever else and, and then uh, that kind of popped up and I managed to contact him and get him. But it was, it was interesting. But he, he had a lot of other experiences that kind of went on which we're going to kind of follow up at a later date. So that area, the area the silver mine kind of happened, you're talking, there's like silver mines, it's, it's called the silver mine, but he said it, it looked like a kind of white um, negative type creature, that's what it looked like. It was, I know it sounds mad, it was, that's what it looks like. Silver mines up there, all the mines up there. There's also burial mounds and stuff. I mean, so this is it, it, there's a henge up there that dates back to like 5,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got all that kind of stuff going on up there where there's like, um, it's like a, it's, it's kind of like a henge, it's like a, it's not a stone circle, it was a, it was a, a wooden henge kind of circle on one of the kind of prominent hills in the area. 
and he was like Barry Mounds and then the, Christ, the Christians took it over and they buried um, their dead up there as well and stuff like that so there's like a lot in that area you know what I mean and then in that wooded area that he's seen this thing there's like other burial mounds in that area as well which I don't even think they've been um, excavated or anything you know I mean you can definitely see there's prominent like um, hill mounds and stuff like that in the hills and around about there but the, the, the strange thing is he he had other stories I mean he had a lot of other stories he's, where he's a mile and a half from there is um, where he stayed when he was younger and he said I stayed there and it's like, if you imagine it's like a town and it skips the hill because it's kind of on the hill but it skips the hill and you've got all the hills in the, in the background when about the, the town about a mile and a half from where this happened they said I stayed there and he goes that's where I think when I was younger my experiences happened he stayed there he goes, when he was younger he had he wouldn't have seen an abduction scenario but he went missing for a while and he got found later on in the morning and he, all he could remember was he'd seen this digger that he wanted to play when he was younger and he disappeared he did disappear but he went and played in it that's all he thought he was doing just playing his digger and everybody he was missing for hours and hours but he said that's initially where my first experience happened in this area I can remember the house I stayed in and I had a lot of strange things happening in the house and even when I stayed with my family when I got a wee bit older we still stayed in the same area and a lot of things happened and stuff and it went on through there so so that was a story I put it in the in the, in the podcast and stuff but the, the coincidence with, with the story is if you go back to if you go back to my own stories when I was talking about the time when I went running and had the panic mm-hmm. in the forest right so I ran in the forest and had the panic and all that kind of stuff and, and kind of thought it just felt odd and just hightailed it out of there and at this point as I said I wasn't looking for nothing I was out for a run so that area is the exact same area that this happened to this guy oh wow same area, same to talking, 100 metres from it. Oh, wow, that's very interesting. That, you know, when you say silver mines and, you know, burial mounds, et cetera, et cetera, that, that's ticking all kinds of boxes. Those are the kinds of things I ask for when I do Bigfoot investigations around here. I'll ask people, like, you know, is there anything buried underground? Is there any mines? Where's the closest creek? Where, you know, are there mm-hmm. stories of uh, buried treasure or anything like that? So, all that stuff just ticks boxes for me, and that's amazing. Now, when they said it went through the fence, did it did it break the fence, or did it just sort of like oh, phase through? They say it passed through it. Wow. You see, it looked more like it described it as an ethereal light. Mm-hmm. You see, it, it looked more like a negative than it did a silver. Like the, the, the kids described that as a silver man. Oh wow! Yeah, but, they all, but they all seen it, and it's like. I was, I was up in another area, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's uh, but the mad thing is, I went, once I knew about the story again, once I heard about the story and I went up there and I had a walk around the place and stuff, and I knew this was, the, I was like, that was the place, you know what I mean? After that, you know what I mean? And I kind of, this is the same place, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was only like 100 metres to, to where. Wow. Like, 10 years prior, 10 years prior, no, it was, sorry, that was 20 years prior, you know what I mean, to hearing the story, mm-hmm. um, that I stopped in there and I hightailed out of there. <clears throat> I'd never run in that area before. I'd never run in it again until I heard the story. And I went in and had a look at it. I, I feel okay in it now. There's, I didn't feel any odd presence or nothing like that. But at the time, come back 20 years ago, I felt it was just some odd and I had to get out of there. You know what I mean? And, and it was funny, it was the same area. And another coincidence as well, which is, is totally mad, is the man said that his experience he started about a mile and a half of there in a, a party town 
which basically just like adjacent, like on the kind of skirts of the hill and stuff like that. When I said that my sleep paralysis, when that started, and I moved a few towns over to my like my friend's house, that's my sleep paralysis started. It was the same, not just the same place, but the same street as the guy stayed when he was younger. Oh wow, mad! Yeah, so yeah, that's wild. Wow. So that's so that was just a, just a mad coincidence to the end of it because it was it was funny. I, I didn't even I caught to start off with that it was the same area with the his kind of cryptid sighting or whatever it was he'd seen um, to the time when I had the kind of panic when I was running, but. I never really clocked about the whole where he'd stayed because he, he told me where he stayed and that and I knew the area and stuff like that and I kind of thought about that I was going when I was, when I was actually chronologically looking at my things that happened to the family and then looking at my own stuff which as I've seen it's, there's, there's some stuff in there you, you, you could find on some stuff you could rationalise and whatever else but when I looked at the sleep paralysis I kind of thought I could remember there was something odd there because that's when that started and I thought I wonder that was, that's the same area like he said so I, I messaged him and spoke to him and stuff like that and I even checked on Google Maps the actual kind of street and the same street you're sure. talking it wasn't even far from the same house you know what I mean it was like where he stayed as a younger and all that kind of stuff it was just mad yeah um, that's I love making those kinds of connections it's doing this when you come upon those connections it's just I don't know it's wonderful I, I absolutely just love it it's confirming it somehow or yeah totally yeah. and that's it so so that's that's mainly kind of me so, so from there I've kind of had the I've um, started my own podcast, you know what I mean, which is, is early days, you know what I mean, but it's, uh, yeah, it's well, a Scottish, Scottish paranormal podcast, and we're on on Facebook and on uh, Podbean, um, you'll find us on uh, Podbean and the, what do you call it, Apple Podcasts and stuff like that as well, and on Facebook, you know what I mean, but it's, uh, it's worth listening to the story, the, the first one I've got there, you know I mean, on there, the now, um, it's worth listening to the story, it's, it's, Basically, got in there's like an hour or so, and I mean, going through it. I mean, there's quite a lot there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I've got others, as I said, I've got other stuff lined up, um, which I've, I've already got stuff I need to edit and edit now and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah, there's one you'd probably be interested in, and I'll send you the link for when I get it. It's like, um, and I know obviously you didn't need the, the, the football and the fee and stuff, so there was one guy I'd met to see about um, seen orbs. I can I tracked him down because I was looking at areas where I knew where um, folklore and stuff happened like years ago or it was prominent mm-hmm. and then how we linked it to stuff today with um, what's still happening today. And one of the areas was like Aberfoyle. Aberfoyle was a prominent kind of theory place and stuff like that. Know what I mean, so I was linking that today with lights and sky and all that kind of stuff. Know what I mean, so I kind of found some of this guy's pictures online and uh, so I met him, he sees kind of orbs and lights and stuff in, in the hills and about Aberfoyle. And Aberfoyle, I don't know if you know at all, but going back, have you ever, you ever heard of a, a book called The Secret Commonwealth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the guy that wrote that was the minister of Aberfoyle. Okay. So that was the town. So that was the town. That he, that's the town where he's seen the stuff. That's the town where he died and all that. And all that. So the guy who, who wrote The Secret Commonwealth the legend goes that he, he, he got found in his, his nightdress and he, he died at, at Fairy Hill. And it was, um, and the, the legend was that he was, he was trapped in kind of Fairyland or whatever. I mean, but he used to see stuff and he'd, and he'd wrote the secret Commonwealth. And it was, um, it's the same area. Huh. I mean, yeah. That book's quite, quite old, right? That was one of the first sort of um, 
1600. Yeah, okay, yeah. And one of the, there's, there's a passage in it as well where he describes, he describes them, well, some accounts, mm-hmm. and it sounds like you know, light beings, the way, he, the way he's talking about it and stuff. Best, it's like, kind of made the paragraph, but it's like best seen at twilight. And it was talking about them being like almost kind of cloud like or gas like and stuff like that. There's, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's loads to it, and I mean, but in that area, so we've done a thing where the guy sees obviously the orbs and stuff like that, I've recorded that and kind of stuff. And I've just got somebody to recount a wee bit about the, the Robert Kirk story. But the funny thing is, as well, in the same area, I was looking at the some of the maps with the, the cryptid maps and stuff like that. And I'm more heavily into cryptids and stuff like that, but I was just looking to see if there was anything in that area. And there was somebody had like um, posted other sounds in the area where it was kind of sounds and smells. And that's what it was. It was something like that. It's something really, really odd. And it was the exact same area where we were recording the orbs. I mean, so it was uh, the orb story. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, so what's the name of your podcast again? It's the, the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. And where can people find it? You can find it on Facebook. You can find it on YouTube. Um, and you can find it on Podbean, Podbean or uh, Apple Podcasts. Okay. Awesome. So it's, uh, it's in there. And it's, it's basically, as I said, it's easy to find. Scottish Paranormal Podcast. And you'll get it in there. I mean, so. But I, the first, I've only got one on there now. And I've got, as I'm saying, I've got a few in the pipeline. And uh, as I'm saying, just I just want to kind of record the stories and and try and get some of them more of the there's there's prominent stories out there, but I want to try and get more of the the kind of family stories and stuff like that as well. And, and find yeah. a bit more of them. Yeah. That was the most difficult hurdle for me when I was starting out, just just getting people to share stories. And thankfully, it's you know I guess we're popular enough now where it's it's not an issue. But that was a hurdle. So good on you for doing that. Are you just cold calling people essentially? Well, I'm kind of the now where I've, this this guy, I, I mean, I was looking at the link between like ancient folklore and stuff and then the areas and see if anything was seen in that. And I seen the guy that had been putting videos up and pictures up, mm-hmm. the orbs and stuff in the area. So I kind of contacted him and then uh, and he was he was willing to meet and stuff. So I did that, went and seen him, done the recording. And then, as I said, I know a wee bit about the, the Robert Kirk story, but no enough. So I've got somebody who knows a bit more about it and they're going to relay the story. So that, that was that. So and I've I've got like the the guy say with the the pyramid shaped UFO. He stayed in the corner for me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So I managed to find him again and contact him. He's going to speak to me after the holidays. Oh, that's great um, about that story. And so that's I just kind of get, try and get some of the more of the stories. And the, the guy in the Silverman story, um, he's got a few more stories he's got to recount as well. There's one more story which which is uh, it's. Well, along the same area, I mean, you've got the upper foil. I'm just, I'll recount this one now just quickly. It was, and it's, this is like any factual kind of story. Just some in the area as well. It's, this is 20 miles away from here in the hills. And there's a plaque up when you go in the hill. So in the hills, when you go to it's called Alva Glen. There was, up in the cliff, there was like, a, there was a, a quarry there. Up in the cliff, there was a space in the cliff where a kind of flat rock covering like a void in the cliff. Mm-hmm. And they found they found like a, a four foot skeleton and in, inside inside this this cliff in a quarry area. And it had like shells and stuff and about it and stuff as if it had been like made a necklace. And they reckon that the this this was found it was like the early nineteen hundreds. And it was um they reckon that it was some kind of shaman or whatever else. And it wasn't like 
a four foot child. It was like a, a grown. It was like a you could tell it was like a at least like mid twenties or thirty or something like that, age wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like uh, just a, a small stature, about four foot. Um, skeleton being inside this this cliff above I'm sure it was in the cliff above overlooking the water in the valley so they thought it was like some kind of prominent person in the area at the time, it went back to Neolithical times or something like that when they found it, so just in that area, pretty strange kind of story finding that, but the, the mad thing with the story is that the, the man who found it two days later got killed by a crushed rock in the same area where some a rock fell or fell on him. Wow. They were finding this kind of um whatever it was. You know what I mean? It was just a kind of mad wee story of one of the kind of hill through the hills. Do they know where the skeleton is? No. That's yeah. what I was trying to find. Yeah, why I look more into it because it was it was in the they don't even know now where the chamber was because they think that they'd lost where it was. The quarry's still there. And um, the skeleton did get take, took it, taken away for like testing and stuff like that but I would I would like to find out more about it I mean that's one of them we've got to look into that as well but people have researched it and stuff I mean so it's, it's been there but as I say it's, there's a wee kind of plaque as you go into the the, the, the foot of the valley and it holds and it tells you about it mm-hmm. um, it's just quite a, a wee twist in the tale where the, the man who found it gets killed like two days later it was like mm-hmm. it was like Christmas Eve or something or, or, the, or like before Christmas I would not be surprised if the if the skeleton has gone missing. It's just again, you just hear this, you know, similar story again and again. That's very, very cool, very cool. Chris, thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. I'll put a link to your what podcast. Is, Thanks thank again. Thank you. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Before we get to our photo of the week. I want to thank Eric C. for his PayPal donation. Again, he makes them pretty regularly. So thank you so much, Eric. It's a big help. Now, this is not a gem tintype. It's a little bit bigger. I'm going to say she doesn't look super happy. No, I love grumpy children. <laughs> yeah, she looks she looks a little grumpy. But you said yourself she looks a little Eastery. So we'll do a little nod to the Easter color. She looks like she's been tinted using like Hinkle's die yes i was gonna say has but is is hinkles the local is that hinkles, only local or are they yes you know the people that have the diner in columbia i know are they the were, heir to the hinkles so it was hinkles, egg die fame hinkles and haas were the two big easter egg dies right yeah was it haas or paws Ooh, i don't know haas is the avocados <laughs> haas is the avocados paws i think is is the uh, easter egg die but i haven't died any eggs in a while yeah so. Yeah, it could be one of those things where you look it up and you think it's one thing, but it ends up being like... It could be neither. Yeah. I could be completely (laughs) wrong. Totally wrong. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. But I do know Hinkles is real. Hinkles is our local egg dye company. She looks like she was colored with Easter egg colors. Yes. Very cute little tintype. In its original paper frame, if you go to the show notes under this episode at strangefamiliars.com, There'll be an image of this. You can click on that. It'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can buy this and other photos of the week. While you're at Etsy, you can pick up copies of my books. I think everything's in stock right now. And they all come signed if you purchase them from us at Etsy. Got some artwork in there yet. And I'll be adding some more soon. Keychains will be up there as soon as we get them. The Strange Familiars Green Bigfoot Keychains. Much more besides. Our shop name is Lost Grave. But if you type in Strange Familiars... Our stuff comes up. You should be able to find us. While you're there, make sure to check out Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors, and check out our friends at Karmic Garden for their 
Flanaman and Strange Familiar scents, and numerous other wonderful scents they have for soaps, candles, and more. So as promised, we reveal who Dogman was at the beginning. It was my writing partner and good friend, Joshua Cutchin. He's really good with voices. He's- yeah, I, I don't know that I would have guessed that that was Josh. When you played it for me, I was like, really? He's really good. People have heard him imitate Alex Jones and uh, <laughs> Terrence McKenna and some other people as well. Like, yes, I think I have heard him do sort of just impressions of other people within the genre. Yeah, yeah. I was, And I went to somebody to do this. I was like, oh, I wonder who I could get to do this. And offhandedly, I sort of you know, remember Josh doing those voices. I was like, Josh, you think you could do this? And it was like almost immediately, he's like, oh, yeah, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> like he's been waiting his whole life for this. <laughs> so thank you so much, Josh. You did a fantastic job. Very, very funny. I like it. We'll see if Sasquatch has any more comments for me mm-hmm. on he Sasquatch may or may Chronicles. Not. All right, that's it for this week. Long show for everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back soon with another episode of Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stonebreath. You can hear more at stonebreath.bandcamp.com. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, and you can always find us at strangefamiliars.com. And the darkness won't
back in your heart Each footprint I've made Both bloody and tainted Has thoroughly awake Like hell's dead on time inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.